0: Hello, I'm Colin Green and you are listening to Spike Pit. I hope wherever you're listening this episode finds you well. Myself, I've got a bit of a busy day, headed off to Harry Potter World with my youngest son to do the studio tour. He's a big fan and we're both very much looking forward to it talking of looking forward to things I hope you're looking forward to this the final part in the discussion the little chat I had with Carl Rodriguez the geomologist big thanks to Carl for taking part in this as I said before I thoroughly enjoyed it without any further ado let's get to it next episode I'm thinking to put out some actual play so tune in for that one in the meantime. Let's hear what Carl's got to say. I'm pretty well known for liking the odd game of 5th edition, D&D. A yeah. bit like we talked about the flexibility of Savage Worlds. I find the, the core engine of 5e very understandable and very very useful, very flexible. Have you dabbled much with the different hacks
1: recently finished a small adventure in iron kingdoms 5e and iron kingdoms is like a steampunk it's not traditional fantasy it's kind of a steampunk they have railroads they have guns so that's i don't know if that's that's a hack or not uh it originally was incarnated in three in 3.5 and they had their own system privateer press for a while but they've decided to to have their latest incarnation be fifth edition and i mean it the base the base always works, right? D and D five E is a simple system. I don't know if honestly if, if it translates perfectly for the Iron Kingdom's verse. There's a, they just didn't and I think this is the onus is on the authors, they just didn't describe how magic works in the world very well in the context of the five E rule set. Right. They just assumed that the the GM will figure it out. Which is unfortunate. I mean, yeah, I I haven't I played right more or less straight Five E, and because I I do like Five E mm. for vanilla fantasy, right? So I would love to do a, a game set in Eberron, which is also a little different—not your generic fantasy. But I've always liked, for example, the Forgotten Realms, and I mean I played Forgotten Realms when it first came out, AD and D mm. first edition, and had a long running game set in the Realms, and we switched over to second edition. I ran a Realms campaign in third edition, so <laughs> you know just. I, I like that. I haven't, I have all these, these different 5e based games. Oh, I, I have, I have. So I one that worked really well that our group liked was Carbon 2185. Yeah, that one was, that one worked really well. I think the, the, the class system, they, the, the authors did a really good job of implementing the 5e rules and putting it into like the, the sort of different classes and level, level up system that that D&D is is famous for and uh, we liked it. They like we like the I think the players like the options a lot, you know. This was kind of our backup game when not everyone showed up for the war, the previous Warhammer Fantasy. So I think we talked about picking it up, you know, if we had don't have a quorum for Warhammer Fantasy, but yeah. But it's worked even with one or two players missing. I mean, it'd be really hard. You'd be really hard pressed to run a game if like three players well, I could still do it. But it definitely is probably going to be our backup game, you know. If we do, if we are at an important point in the campaign and someone can't show up, you know, we right. play that. And I have like some science some some science fictiony hacks. You know, I do have the Star Wars the the Star Wars hack, and I'd like to implement that. I think if I ran a a Clone Wars game, uh, I'd use that because of all the different species that are in that book in that set of documents, right? So, and I have like Esper Genesis, and there is a There's a a Kickstarter I did called Farsight that looked really, actually looked really cool. It was like kind of that kind of me that space opera vibe with different species. That's not Star Wars that I'd like to run one of these days. So,
0: what about the um? There's a couple of Greek myth inspired ones.
1: I haven't, you know, we I ran, I think I ran an adventure that used a a five E hack for a Greek themed game that was very Greek themed. And that was, um, it was basically, it was, set, it was set during the Trojan War, right? The adventure was set with the backdrop of the Trojan, Trojan War. All right. And that one, I thought, worked really nice. It definitely evoked a Greek feel. But it, it was, you know, it, it didn't depart that much. There are some options to depart from 5e, but it didn't seem really worth it. Um, the initiative system could have departed from your basic 5e, but the initiative sim- system in D&D... 5e is pretty easy so i don't know why you make it want to make it more complex and i mean am all about as i get older and more about ease of play so we can explore the narrative as opposed to figuring out the fiddly rules
0: definitely um i wholeheartedly uh agree with you on that one i i can't i can't be bothered to try and unravel unravel complex um rule sets i just want to try and get the game to the table get it played yeah. um and, and not be intimidated if there's something that i stumble over it, it's just going to put me off of playing it and it it won't happen there's just too many other games
1: um it's got to be easy yeah the beauty of the 5e i'm trying to think like what is common about these hacks that makes them different or helps them to promote the particular genre and that i think is a, is a front front-loaded character creation that you have in 5e there's a lot of it's not difficult but there's a lot of parts to it right so i i think the greek game that i ran this particular greek game that i ran it really it, it evoked the trojan war and the greek theme feel because each character class that they had had like something yeah. greek right like uh like uh you know the myrmidon the, the people from myrmidia mm-hmm. were hoplites mm-hmm. the right the uh the character from from Ithaca, where Odysseus is from, was like a trickster, right? So it was kind of cool that they had, they had that, and I, I believe that I feel like the same way in the Iron Kingdoms, they had particular classes built for that world that made it work. Um, like they had the Warcaster, the guy, the the Mage, the caster who controls steam jacks in that game, right? So uh, that's pretty. I think that's pretty neat, and I, I don't know how the Five E does because I haven't delved deep into it, but. I'm assured I'm assuredly that they have the classes are are what makes it not vanilla fantasy, right? It's not the it's not the rules part, the combat part necessarily. I mean, you might add different types of weapons, but but it's like the it's, you know, it's when you get to your third level, your character ar- archetype, right? It's a different archetypes. I mean, I-
0: exactly. This is how I think 5e Gets to enjoy the success that it's enjoying is because it's it hooks people in it hooks players specifically with with all that stuff most of the time when you you hear people talking and saying that well five is not really their their game of choice they're normally the the DM or the GM the person running it they they can find. If you're, if you're running a game, it doesn't matter what game you're playing. There's always loads for you to do because you, you're the guy that's got to come up with all the stuff initially, at least. But if you're a player, mm-hmm. uh, well, when you're a, a GM looking to hook players in, 5e and some of these 5e hacks do a really good job of making it look appealing and, and get, getting people's imaginations fired up. And as a GM, you might be thinking – oh, wow, that's a lot of stuff for me to try and get my head around. But when you're the player, you're only worried about one of those things. and Yeah, the character creation. Exactly, change. yeah. And especially if you're playing with younger players, every day in my house, my son will be coming up to me talking about, oh, oh, my character, I could do this. Oh, when we play D&D on Monday, I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'll speak to my uncle and we'll do this, blah, blah, blah. And he just like he loves all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. like you say, if you want to get across the flavor of a different genre or whatever, you've really got to give all that side of it some serious thought to carry over that, that flavor and, and get people into it. Yeah. Um, it's then powers, then buffs, and yeah, you know. Uh, and I think they know that, that, you know, Watsi and these other designers, they know that. And I think they do a pretty decent job of, yeah. of that task
1: yeah
0: so that's about all i got for gaming i was just gonna finish up with a, a, a few kind of maybe things that we could skip over quite quickly um yeah this is something that this is something that crops up quite often people talking about their favorite die type what is the a gemologist die of choice
1: well of course i'm gonna i'm gonna say it's a d10 because I like percentile dice and percentile dice systems, <laughs>
0: so okay, um,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I use that for Call of Cthulhu. I use that for Warhammer Fantasy. Uh, so I like the the D10. It's you can take two of them and say one is a the tens place. You can use that fancy percentile dice thingy that some sets have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say the D10.
0: Okay, the D10. Um, war games. Now we mentioned a little bit of some. Some GW products have got a mention. Are there any other war games that you have dabbled in or intend to dabble in or
1: currently dabble in? Perhaps I, I played the uh, so you know, Warhammer 40k and fantasy, they it, it almost are requirements. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, actually, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, we're talking about the but I, I don't know the big, the day of the big armies is passed. I think I'd rather do some small type stuff. And, mm. uh, GW is coming with a, a, new, um, kill team box soon. That's got orcs right. and, and uh, a human faction in it. So I might jump into that. Uh, I, I did dabble in a skirmish game that privateer press has. I think it's war machine that they had. Okay. Yeah, so I had a, a, a war machine army, but I haven't played that in a long time. It just got, a frustration among players is maybe you've experienced this is that you just get into and you collect everything and then they switch editions on you. And then some of your, Oh yeah. And GW is notorious for this. Then some of your, your units don't, well, they don't work as they used to. They get kind of, they get the take the nerf bat that's taken to them. Some units become obsolete at the, you know, at the worst example. Yep. Um So, you know, that, that kind of discouraged me from from playing or collecting these but I might get like, I said, like in back into kill team again. I haven't really played any other ones they just haven't appealed to me. I think uh Infinity appealed to me for like a few seconds, the Infinity, <laughs> but um but I just never everyone plays Warhammer, right? It's like everyone plays D&D 5e. Yeah, it does seem like that the minis for infinity are really cool and I've done some kickstarters but I just there's no one to, around to play right
0: organizing games unless you're going to play on one of these like tabletop simulators it it is i don't know it, I was always in a wargaming club, so that was uh, quite good. Yeah, that's cool. That's quite a good way to get games in because people are regularly t- going to turn up. That was weekly, and you'd always get a game.
1: Yeah, there's a historical historical minis club at at Dragon's Lair, the, the gaming store I frequent, um, and used to oh, and used right. to work for when I was in a in co- in a graduate school. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they have like a historical minis game, and they play they play. Well they run a lot of different mini- they run a lot of minis um like all the all the warlord games miniatures games yep. so the historical yep. ones the World War 2 one especially but they also Bolt Action. Yeah, Bolt Action, that's it. They have a, they're big Bolt Action. Uh they they uh but they run, you know, Napoleonic.
0: Yeah. The one one game that I always enjoyed and I felt it hit the sweet spot for quite a few different things because it's got miniatures it's almost a bit board game like, and you still get a little bit of a war game vibe as well. And that was a uh, blood bowl. Did you ever have a blood bowl team?
1: No, I never did that. I always wanted to, but just never
0: see that would have crossed your streams. You could have had, totally, you could have bought totally. in
1: some sport interest and, ah, oh, there you go. You missed out there. I know my friend Cliff had this awesome look. I probably would have done like, I probably could grab like some of my Skaven minis. I have a, and I could implement them in Blood Bowl, but my friend had this really sweet um female dwarf Blood Bowl team. Oh, right. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, I've got a I've got a nice green skins one. Definitely custom, you know. Yeah. I think it took like probably took the heads from either Empire Minis or Sisters of Battle and put them onto squat bodies.
0: The good thing is you're only ever really you're only ever really going to have 15 or 20 miniatures for that. So if you, right. if you want yeah. if you want to get into some really exotic conversions, it's the perfect time to do it. A, a little bit like uh, any of their skirmish games, really, like Necromunda as well. That was a big favorite for me. Right,
1: yeah. Yeah, it'd be fun to have like a Dark Elf Blood Bowl team. That could be fun. Those are some cool minis there.
0: Yeah, I had a really early um, Dark Elf team. It was all lead. The, the oh, miniatures wow. are a classic... 80s dark elves, you know, Mm -hmm. they're they're not sculpted like like they are now. They're quite basic. But they're still, you know, they're still nice. Have you got any have you got any current miniatures projects on the go?
1: No, other than speculating about that the new kill team box that might be coming out. I think I was talking to a friend if he wanted to to split it or you know, I'll I'll put them together, you paint them, type of thing. I'd like to play it. He said that he said if I do get a kill team team together that we could play so I have someone. I do have like um, I think I have a Space Wolf Scouts group. Oh, right. That I could, yep. Yeah, that is, looks pretty cool that I could put together um, and I wish, I guess you could, with all the I think I have an I have an Eldar army that I could put a kill team together with too so maybe when the rules set comes out we can play it. Although I think it's already out of PDF he said so maybe I should try to figure out how I can mix and match some of my minis in the armies i have mm.
0: so on the subject of future plans you might get this kill team thing up and running but in a in right. a recent episode of somebody's podcast it may well have been yours but there's so many podcasts with rpg a day i have, I have totally, yeah, i've totally yeah. i've given up all hope of trying to unravel it all in my head <laughs> but you were talking about um writing and maybe it was when we was talking about writing on the theme of writing you'd mentioned some play testing that you'd done in in a game and you'd said that you'd always fancied to do some more work for publication maybe like um i don't know like an an adventure or or something like that do you think we'll see you putting some serious thought in that direction
1: at some point i think so i think um you know i I, more and more i'm wanting to either do like a, a random encounter like in savage worlds and Deadlands, you have this random encounter set of tables and you draw cards and then you they give you like a tag and you try to figure out how to to create an adventure for that so that's been pretty fun and that my players have enjoyed those a little more than than your you know your published adventures mm-hmm. i mean invictus was all right my own thing as well and that went really well that came over really well and but, you know, it's just a bunch of just a bunch of outlines and notes. However, I have I had thought of before the pandemic, I, you know, I was getting together like a an adventure. I was going to run it at local conventions because I had seen uh I actually who is it? Shane Ivey from from Arc Dream Publishing. They, they make Delta Green. He one of the adventures that he ran at conventions eventually became published. And he let us know at the time, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. Some of these smaller conventions that are local, you can, you, you have a ch- actually like a chance to play with an author of something. And here in the local South Texas area, we have uh, Arc dream publishing people live in, in the nearby and people who write for Savage Worlds live nearby. So sometimes you can sit in on a session with them and, and inevitably what they're doing is they're playtesting the future mm-hmm. product, which is kind of cool. So this uh and i talked i think i talked about this in my podcast but he eventually did publish it and i actually have playtesting credit in it which is kind of neat so so i i have an outline for an adventure that for delta green that i just gotta, you know i can do the outline i know in my head what's going to happen but then what i really need to do is sit down and and write it up you know
0: definitely it's just briefing and background and you just gotta just make a start, I reckon it's making a start and you'll probably just get into it and you'll
1: you'll be away. Yeah, but I was I mean looking up, looking behind the screen, well I mean he didn't have a screen, but when Mr. Ivy was running his adventure, he just had a notepad and he had a bunch of notes and they were they were full though. So, you know, he had he didn't really have anything typed up at that stage, but he had like, you know, notes that he was taking He's taking suggestions from the table for things. Cause he said, "Hey, I'm playtesting this adventure. I haven't really written in all the details, so I might ask you to supply some." It is interesting. So, I think the first step would be to to actually get this adventure to to playtest it and see if it actually works. And I have, like, I have the outline in my head. I have it the first, like, if it's if it's a play in two acts, I have the first act already planned out, and even a virtual tabletop set up for it so i i had i just i kind of ran it at at our, the convention that my my wife and i tried to to put together right at the start of the pandemic before things totally shut down we had like a virtual uh con and i had a had a couple players but one dropped out halfway through so eh, it wasn't the best to play test but i'd like to try to play test it again and see if it actually works at least the first act and i have the second act in my mind but maybe one of these days mm.
0: Well, hopefully you will. And it, it it is, like you say, it is very interesting to see how these designer types and, and writers go about it. I, I know sitting with some of the Cthulhu guys like Scott Dorwood and Paul Fricker, mm-hmm. they'll sit down with a sort of a, a notepad and say that, you know, they're playtesting or they've got some idea about a scenario. And we, I, I would quite often bump into them at our local con in just up the road. It's uh, 20 miles up the road from me and yep. being the uk it's a little bit well it's a lot smaller so you you do run into well the likes of gavin norman and you know you could easily run into ian livingstone and people like shea webster well I, i've never run into jay actually um i always bump into john large yep. and uh, pete who else
1: well it's not that many others. well yeah that's like the people like the designers that live in south texas here right so Um, it's pretty cool
0: it is yeah it is it is definitely one of the sort of nice things about a hobby and and with the growth of the internet these people it's a a niche hobby but the internet somehow makes it bigger doesn't it and it, it puts people in touch that well we're having this conversation now we never would have had this conversation would we in, in no. days
1: gone by, unless I happen to go to a convention in England, exactly,
0: exactly. I doubt I'll ever get to the states. So, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I'm about through with the questions. Yeah. Um, we've got some ideas about your future plans. Mm-hmm. I guess the last. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run more and more games. <laughs> run.
1: That's for sure.
0: More and more games, and keep cranking the RPG a day handle because we've still got yeah. we've still got that to do today. <laughs> Yeah. So I'd like to wrap this up, Carl. I'd like to thank you Mm -hmm. for coming on and joining us. It's been awesome. And yeah, well, when I'm back on the circuit, we'll have to get around to doing some gaming
1: again yeah for sure always enjoy having you gotta come up with the next idea next historical game idea maybe yeah well, like i ban- oh i bandied about i bandied about a downtown abbey and cthulhu for example the, the crown and some sort of spy thriller you also talked about um
0: a world war ii one a dark ages thing you bandied oh. around the dark
1: ages yeah dark ages is all pretty neat oh they're oh we, I did have an idea for World War II Octoon Cthulhu. That's right. Yeah. That, but that one would also be like a, an in development campaign game because I haven't heard this scenario pop up anywhere. I mean, it's just like in science, you know, everyone reads the same things and is trained the same way. And sometimes ideas develop in parallel. Yeah, for sure. But I, yeah, I do. that Octoon Cthulhu is still something in the back of my head.
0: it's always the way so many games so little time yeah all right then mate well you take care all right you too colin thank you for having me i enjoyed it a lot no problem at all and that as they say is a wrap big thanks goes out to you the listener for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to old spike pit take care and i'll catch you later